Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. Have you ever wondered what direction to take your life in? Feel like things might be a little out of control? Or as a woman found yourself in a male-dominated workplace, and you're trying to figure out how to navigate it while leading a team and balancing your life? Today, I'm joined by a true powerhouse of a woman who has asked and answered all of these questions for herself. Carol Ring is an accountant by training and so much more. She has been recognized as one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women. She is the author of Ignite Your Culture, Six Steps to Fuel Your People, Profits and Potential, and co-author of Awakening the Workplace. Throughout her career, Carol has had the privilege of building high performance teams and working with companies like Ultramar, Coca-Cola and Rogers Communications. And as if all of that wasn't enough for a lifetime, Carol made the bold decision to break out on her own, leaving her highly successful corporate career to become an independent culture transformation consultant. Welcome, Carol. Hi, Naluka. So happy to be here tonight and really looking forward to our conversation. Amazing. You have had such a full life (laughs) so far and you continue to build from what you've told me about yourself so far you started as uh, in environmental biology can you tell us a little bit about how you went from environmental biology which is super interesting by the way um all the way to culture transformation consultant (laughs) (laughs) well i have to say that my stint as an environmental biologist was actually quite short Uh, I I actually changed uh, career direction three times while I was at university at the University of Guelph. I went there to be a veterinarian, but that didn't seem to want to be in the cards. Yes. And when I got to finally got around to graduating, I was majoring in environmental biology. However, I was even at that point, I was ahead of my time because there really were no jobs for environmental biologists uh, at the time. And it was really a lesson for me about economics. Because companies like um, Inco up in Sudbury, who should have had environmental biologists on their staff because they were polluting the air at the time, you know, they said, listen, if you're going to bring in all those environmental controls, we'll just shut down the the plant and put everybody out of business. Oh, wow. So, you know, the world just wasn't quite ready for me as the environmental. (laughs) So that's where I turned into the world of finance and got my Ah. management accountant designation. Amazing. And then that led you on a path into a a very sort of corporate career from there. Right. So I started off the traditional role, you know, junior accountant, controller uh, type of of roles. And I worked for a number of different companies in those roles and including uh, finally to Rogers Communications in Cornwall, little Cornwall, Cornwall, Ontario. And it was there that I made the transition actually into operations and where I spent most of my career, which was running little red trucks around the country and, uh, and running in, in the world of operations as opposed to finance. So in the world of operations and, you know, you're, you're saying little red trucks, so that was a, it was a big role uh, that you were in and you were in a predominantly male dominated industry. What sort of challenges did you run into and how did you navigate them? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was very well, uh, very male dominated. Of course, communications at that time really was primarily cable TV uh, yeah. and very engineering oriented. Sure. Uh, so, you know, typically engineers were men back then. We didn't have as many women in the engineering field as we do today. Mm-hmm. So I was always one of the guys. Now, lucky for me, it worked out that I was a bit of a tomboy and I enjoy lots of sports. And that enabled me to have common language with my male counterparts. And I think that really helped me build a, a connection with them because we, 
we shared this this common language and we I was in football pools with them although you know I really did have to sort of force myself into the football pool the first time oh, yeah. uh, I wasn't really invited into it but when all my colleagues at the you know at the table were talking about the football pool and I'm going well here's my entry it was, right. you know, it, was it was kind of like oh you have an entry like excuse me <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess we'll let her in yeah um, but it was also uh, a bit of a stressful time for me because I manage in a different way than mm-hmm. my male counterparts uh, do. I often tell the story when I'm mentoring other women, you know, we're just wired a little bit differently. And right. for the men at the time, you know, it was like playing basketball when they, when a bunch of guys get on the court and they play basketball and they dribble the ball up, they get up to the hoop, they pass the ball, somebody shoots and scores. The person who scores, yay, look at me, look how, you know, I, I did it, it was great. And, yeah. and if you had a female group of basketball players out there, we'd be passing the ball, we'd get up to the net, we'd pass it around, somebody would score and she'd turn around and say, that was a great pass. <laughs> We're just wired a little bit differently and uh, yeah. I found at the time and you, you know, you just had to learn to work within those differences. And what about as, you know, a few more women started coming in, how did you really connect and start to build sort of that um, camaraderie amongst women in in the workplace? Yeah, uh, towards the, I'd say the last 10 years of my, I worked with Rogers for about 24 years. And during the last 10 years, there was a group of seven of us who were in vice president roles. I think that represented about 12% of the senior management. So it was a small group of the senior management. And we kind of, we were not all in this. We were across uh, different functions, you know, somewhere in marketing, somewhere in communications. I was in operations uh, and we were in different cities. Some in Ottawa, some in Toronto, some out in, out in Southwest Ontario. But we would get together once a month uh, as a bit of a support group for each other and a mentorship group. And yes, I would say there would be some venting over a few glasses of wine going on as well. We all need to do that sometimes. (laughs) But, you know, it was a great group and we were all, we all wanted to build better businesses. You know, we, we kind of had that kind of mindset and we were frustrated that we couldn't make a bigger impact in our organizations because it was so male dominated and, and we really weren't seeing as true peers. So we decided after a while though, that these venting sessions were really helpful and they weren't taking us anywhere. And so we decided, no, well, what can we do about it? What what can we actually do about it? And so we actually founded the Rogers Women's Network. Oh, I love it. And uh, decided to start to promote uh, the advancement of women within the organization. And at first, you know, some of the uh, senior executives were a little leery about what we were up to and what we were trying to do. Yeah. But we we also we actually helped to benefit everybody in the organization. For example, we brought Catalyst in to do a survey uh, on the organization to see you know how women were being impacted. And I'll never forget one of the results that came back was around work life balance. And of course, you would expect women to be looking for work life balance because we do do more than our fair share in the at, at home. Right. Interesting enough, uh, the men who were surveyed spoke up and raised their hands and said that they were experiencing the same challenges. So it was a real eye opener for the entire organization about what was going on, that it wasn't just in a female um, issue. It was really a company issue. Oh, that's amazing. And that just, you know, brings equality and sort of level sets everybody in a very different way. So that was a really great initiative, I think. Yeah. And it was really our way of, bringing awareness to the organization and then also helping women navigate their own path and their own careers uh, within the organization. So part of it was uh, we tried to bring in some professional development. We Mm -hmm. brought senior executives uh, to the group where we would have panel discussions so that they could hear from senior leaders, which by the way, got some of our male counterparts very jealous, wanted to know if we could come to our groups because we suddenly suddenly had a reason to have access to senior executives in the company. Yeah. So it it was a lot of fun and it really uh, set us on a path of what are the things that we can do for others around us that uh, can benefit the organization as a whole. 
again, you were almost before, you know, before your, before your time or trailblazer uh, in the industry, because there were not a lot of women's groups or that conversation even happening in a lot of corporate settings at that time. And, and now today, I think it's actually one of the things I think COVID helped with is, is bringing the conversation about diversity and inclusion and all of these things to the forefront of, of conversation. Um, how do you think COVID in particular has uh, impacted culture? Well, it's very interesting because for a lot of organizations, the focus was really on survival, right? Mm-hmm. All, of a sudden, all of a sudden, our world has been turned upside down. Yes. And I'm trying to decide whether I'm just going to hunker down. You know, some people, in the, for example, in restaurant business, you know, just said, am I going to hunker down or am I going to try to be get into the, the takeout business? Right. Delivery and takeout started yeah. taking off. All, yeah. of a sudden, all of a sudden, delivery became so key to everything. Everything. So yeah. Not just food, but, but yeah. everything is um, mm-hmm. starting to become delivery dependent or um, online ordering, right? Going yep. digital. Yep. So this, you know, leaders really had to focus on the business and the processes and, okay, now everybody's working remotely. How are we going to do that, right? All those companies who said, oh, it would take us years to do it. Guess what? Overnight. They did it in a heartbeat. They, yeah. were, they were forced <laughs> into it, uh, yes. which was fun to watch. But as much as we were doing check-ins with our employees and trying to make sure that they were okay, our focus really hasn't been on people mm. during these last 18 months. And as we do research now on culture, and as I'm working with more, uh, more people at this time period, we really see a big demand from employees for employers to shift their focus and spend a little bit more time on them. Okay. Uh, because there's been all this focus on the business. We as employees have stepped up and mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've gone through, we've adapted, we've brought innovative ideas to the table. We've worked long hours. Yeah. But, you know, this is not our new, new, ne- new future. You know, it was okay. Sort no, of it can't, it's not sustainable this way. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now we need you to, you know, shift the, the view, shift the perspective uh, a little bit back more to us and and the, and a culture that is more caring that talks about professional development that helps us understand where we're going because we've been running at high pace you know what does the future really look like uh, and and that's what we're seeing in the in the world of culture um, as individuals also this has been sort of a high stress um, very intense work environment and or you know, a um, loss of employment environment. Um, But I think COVID has also given us all a chance to sort of step back and go internally and sort of self-reflect. So some people are able to sort of pull out of that and, you know, here are my personal values, here's what I believe in, and here's, you know, my path for the future. How can people um, take a moment to reflect on that and, and help them sort of navigate and get some clarity on the future because everything's so unknown and up in the air right now right <laughs> oh my gosh and and hasn't stress just been at an all-time high all no time matter, high across no matter the what your situation has been yeah uh, these past 18 months and i know what that's like because i went through a period in my corporate career i married i have two kids uh, yeah. I was very active in my role as a regional president, uh, yeah. out, going out and doing a lot of events. And like I, I was the poster girl for saying yes to anything. I mean, if you needed a puppy to get uh, a pinned on it, I was there. <laughs> right. Like so many of us will say, you know, a lot of women in particular will default to. to right. Yes. And so even if you've been trying to juggle new technology and new ways of working and, and you've got kids being homeschooled or, mm. or whether you've been on your own and now suddenly you've been you're even more isolated than you've ever been. And, and you know, you're naturally an extrovert. And so now this new working environment is totally not working for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it all comes back to stress. And I have learned that stress is really a symptom for when you're out of alignment with your personal values. Say that that again. That was a good one. So stress is when you are out of alignment with your personal values. 
That's right. That's right. So if you really value family uh-huh. and during COVID, you can't get out and see your family. You yes. can't get those hugs. You can't, you, you can't go to birthday parties. You, you know, you're missing all of that family connection uh-huh. and that just builds stress for you. And you may not recognize that that's what's going on, but that's an example of misalignment uh-huh. um, that's going on. And so every time you get stressed, it's really nice to be able to have a little bit of reflection time and say, okay, what's really going on here? What's really bothering me? What's the root cause almost? Uh, Yes, exactly. And then you can decide what you're going to do about it. Okay. So so getting clear about what's important to you. And I, and you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people have been having those reflections about what's important to me. And, and you're sitting there and you're going, you know what? I really just don't like this company anymore. I really, you know, I'm, I'm really going to look for something else because I'm not enjoying my job. I'm not enjoying this particular company. It's been highlighted now for me during COVID. Yeah. And, the, and so it's becoming aware of this misalignment of what I want to do and what the company is doing. So in terms of getting to those personal values in the first place, like, I think we can, we can feel it, but is there something that our listeners can do to sort of help them identify exactly what those person because there's a lot of there's so much noise externally in our own minds the number of thoughts the spinning that happens so how can we get a bit of clarity around that before we you know go out and make some life-changing decisions (laughs) well I'll tell you as I mentioned I found had found myself in a period of overwhelm uh mid-career and I was blessed Mm -hmm. to have an executive coach who gave me this gift of an exercise around personal values. And I'm so happy to gift it to any of your listeners as well. We'll put a a link in the uh, notes or you can go to carolring.ca forward slash personal hyphen values hyphen exercise. There's no opt-in, no nothing. It's (laughs) It's just my gift because it was so powerful for me. And basically what you do is you go through a list of words, a list of values, and you, you tick off all the words that resonate with you. And you might tick off 15 or 20 words. And then what you'll find in step two is that some of the words are actually similar and you have themes. So for mm. example, I have a theme around honesty, respect, and integrity. That's okay. a theme for me that's very powerful. Yeah. I have another one around um, family, friendship, uh, harmony. Um, it's it's all people related type of, okay. of, of value. And then I have another one that's around uh, travel and continuous learning. I mean, uh, just ex- new experiences. I love yes. experiences. Yes. So, so you'll find that there are little themes that pop out. And then what I encourage people to do is actually name each of those themes because who can remember all the words? But if you have little themes around them, uh, so for example, my continuous learning one is actually my crocodile Dundee value. (laughs) Oh, so you like name them something fun for yourself. Yeah, I I love that. Okay. You know, that I can kind of associate with that word. Yeah. So for me, if I'm in an environment where I'm not getting some continuous learning, where I'm not being challenged, then, then I kind of get stressed and I get bored. And I, I'm like, I'm, you know, oh, this, this is really not doing anything for me. Yeah. Um, and so then I can choose, um, I can choose different ways to handle that. And so if you find yourself in a stressful situation, step back and say, okay, well, which one of these values is really being triggered here? Yeah. And, and there's three things that you can do when you have stress. And the first one is you can do is just, just acknowledge that this is what's going on. And it's a short-term situation and, you know, eventually it'll go away. So I just told you about my respect value, my respect integrity uh, value. Uh, There was a, there was a period of time at Rogers, which was very male dominated. I was the only woman and there was a lot of testosterone in the room with all due respect (laughs) to my colleagues and, and, you know, like conversations over conversations, over conversations. And, and, you know, it was like, who had the loudest voice was going to win. Right. And that was just stressful for me because it just didn't feel very productive. But I would sit there in the meeting and go, okay, you know, I only have another 15 minutes and this is going to be over. So let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's just take a breath and relax. 
The second thing is you can remove yourself from the situation. So if I really wanted to, I could just say, you know, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to go to the washroom, whether I went to the washroom or not, that really wasn't relevant. And just, (laughs) you know, just change, just take a moment. Yeah. Just change, just get out of the situation that's causing stress. You know, just just leave it. However, if it's chronic stress, if it's happening all the time, every day, and that's not good for our health physically or mentally, then you really have to be courageous and make a change Mm. and make a change. Mm. Courage in action. That's what we talk about. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that was first sort of, it's almost like being present. Yeah. Check in. I'm feeling stressed. Like what's the lay of the land? What's the reality here? Second, take a moment, step away, change the environment. And a lot of times, you know, people are on screen now. So it could be as simple as like, turn off the camera and step away for a second, right? Like that's how you get space in a virtual world. And then, yeah, the third one, that's a big one. Like if it's constant, then you need to make that courageous decision to make a change. And in between, just before you make that big courageous step, I encourage people to find other ways to bring that joy in their lives to connect to their values. So mm. for example, I know a woman who didn't really enjoy her job that much. Uh, however, she really loved to coach and teach people and it wasn't really yes. available in her job. But I said, well, what about if you stepped up and volunteered somewhere within your organization, maybe to hold some lunch and learns, Yeah. right? And that way you can get that energy from something that you love to do as part of the job, even though it's not really the whole job. Yes. Or outside of work, connect with something outside of work that will rejuvenize and refresh and re-energize you. Yeah, I think it's really important that our, our jobs slash careers don't define who you are. Right. There's so many different dimensions, and not just women, men, everybody, every human has so many different dimensions and things going on in, in their lives that um, I think sometimes we get a little bit stuck on what do you do as a definition of who you are versus I think connecting back into those personal values and defining your own, um, your own version of success for your own life. Cause I think you mentioned this, you know, um, previously like finding your own path and your own uh, successes in life is really important. Right. I, I really believe uh, that we have to try to learn to have a big perspective Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I mentioned to you how I had been on a senior women's executive program, yeah. uh, which was the first time I'd been with senior executive women from across Canada outside of the company. It was put oh, on cool. by, <laughs> was put on by by Rotman actually. It's yeah. called the Judy Project after Judy Elder, and that really changed my perspective because up until then I had really been trying to figure out how I would grow within the organization. And Rogers was growing. It started as a little cable company and look at the, you know, look at them now. Yeah. company it is now. Yeah. So I was there during that growth ride. So I had lots of opportunity, but I was really focused within the organization. Yeah. Coming out of that week long intensive, I really had a much broader perspective and I really felt obligated to be more and to do more. And, yeah. and, and I really encourage people to try to keep a broad perspective and not get caught up in the minutia of what's actually happening right now, because, okay. the, because the broader your perspective, the larger the opportunities. Got you. Got you, know, you. And to your point, you know, I, I'm a banker. Well, no, actually, you're not a banker. You are much more than a banker. So don't Absolutely. limit yourself to the banking industry. if That's where you are today. Uh, or, uh, you know, I work in, high, in, in IT. Well, actually, you don't. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> IT is a big field now, especially post-pandemic with everything being digital and, and everything's yeah. tied somehow in, into, uh, uh, into the Internet world. Uh, you know, so really try not to, as you say, define yourself by the immediate job that you're in. Right. And allowing, you know, sometimes we just step back and other people make decisions for us. And we're like, yeah, that's cool. Just, you know, there's, there are times to go with the flow and times that you have to like take your own action and like make your own decision for your, 
for your career and, and, and your life overall, right? And let's remember, after every decision, you can make another decision. It's not in <laughs> yeah, cement. temporary. It's not in cement. Yes. Right? So yeah. uh, you know, I, I, you know, sometimes it's really hard to make that decision. It feels very big and it feels very scary. Yes. Uh, and but 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 there's always another decision that can be made. So you know, if you make that first one and then different things come up or you you have different information come in, well, then shift that decision slightly, you know, and and keep keep weaving the path forward and getting to where you want to actually get to in the end. Because sometimes we make a choice and we we think that's what we want. And yeah. then we find out, oh, that's not quite what I wanted. It's closer, but not quite what I wanted. Not quite there. Right. Are there pivotal moments like that in, in your life that that you could give us as an example? Oh, there's probably so many of them. <laughs> I spoke, I, um, I spoke about uh, the Judy Project going on. Uh, mm-hmm. I can tell you about, I was chair of, of CMA Ontario. Okay. Uh, and at the time, that's the Certified Management Accountants. At the time, at that time, as chair, one of the roles that you had was to give the keynote speech at the graduates, at the graduating ceremony. And I can remember oh. being down in the great big ballroom of the Harbor Castle Inn, the yeah, Harbor yeah. Castle Hotel, probably a thousand people in the room. And I was going to give this keynote address. And it was wonderful because staff helped me write it. And it was great. But one thing I wanted to do was there was an ad that was running at the time called I Am Canadian. It was a beer commercial. Yeah, I remember those commercials. <laughs> right? And, and it, you know, everybody felt so patriot, patriotic. Mm-hmm. In that patriotic. Yeah. I, said, well, I, want, I want these people to feel that same sort of passion around their, their accounting designation. So we did a little takeoff on that. The only thing was that I had to leave the podium and go out to the middle of the stage to a single, you know, mic stand to deliver this, this one. Oh boy. <laughs> now the good news was nobody really knew, you know, there's a handful of people that knew I was going to do this. So if I got to that point in this speech, which was almost towards the end, if I decided not to do it, I could just not do it. No big deal. Okay. Right. So, you know, as I'm getting close to that point, I can hear the, the, word, the little voices in my mind. Am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Anyways, yeah. I took a big breath. I went across. I did the I, I did the little rant. I got a standing ovation. Oh, congratulations. And, and that was wonderful. But because I made, and sorry, I just want to finish that off. As graduates came across the stage and got their certificates, I can't tell you how many people mentioned that how impactful that rant was to them. And I heard about it for many years later. Having decided to just try to bring some passion to others and making that courageous step across the stage, <laughs> I, I learned that I could make a big impact to others through speaking. And that's how I got it, started to get into the business of going out and doing keynotes and workshops and uh, helping to promote women. So, you know, I made this decision to go across the stage. And the next thing I know that pivoted me into a world of uh, influence and impact in a way that I hadn't ever thought of before that. That's a, I think that's such a great example because it's, you know, you were physically just taking a step or two, but you were going into a very uncomfortable space for yourself. So actually the amount of growth that was going on within you was probably felt by that whole whole audience and why it sort of resonated so genuinely with them. Uh, and I think that's such a great metaphor for life because if you just step a little bit into that uncomfortable space, you have no idea where it'll take you and what kind of adventure. Right, because know. I originally the plan was that we would we would hire somebody to go into a Rogers studio, which I think I could have you know arranged for them to do, and they, we would record yeah. it, and uh, <laughs> just, we would just play the video. We would just play yeah, the just video. press play. Your yeah, <laughs> we ran out of time, and it was either I did it or we didn't do it. So there you go. Wow, wow. I think that's amazing. I think that's like I said, such a great example of taking that first sort of step. Um, and it makes me kind of think about, you know, you mentioned that your mom and you know, your wife and all of these things and all of the, all of the things that women have to balance in their lives. 
Um, how do we find time, space, energy for ourselves? Um, and to get clarity about, you know, when you're when you're bringing a whole family along with you, taking that risk is is not just about yourself anymore, but it's about everyone else. But how do you balance that? Like putting myself first versus everybody who needs me. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, I was the poster child for saying yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think that's one of the real benefits of really understanding your personal values is also learning what to say no to. Mm, Okay. Uh, Because that's what the personal values exercise did for me. It was like putting up goalposts, you know, or boundaries. And I I could, I could start to really think about uh, opportunities or events or things that were going on and say, okay, is this something that's going to fit within my goalposts that's going to bring me joy? Or am I just saying yes to this for some other reason? You know, uh, you know, because quite frankly, when people ask you to do things for them, doesn't that feel nice? I mean, you know, you, you're so oh, yeah, you feel needed. Yeah, you, you know, know, oh my gosh, know. they think I'm an expert in this. Oh, I must help them. I'm telling you, once I learned to say no, lightning did not strike. My friends did not, my friends did not ditch me. Uh, And, you know, I can remember this one time, this woman had asked me to go be on, on their board. And I was, uh, it was a not-for-profit board. And I was like, oh, I, you know, like, I really, I don't need this right now. I'm so busy right now. I really don't. But how do I say no to her? So finally I got up again, the courage to say no, because it was not in my wheelhouse at that point. And she said, oh, don't worry about it, Carol. Thank you for saying that. I've got two other people lined up to, that I'm going to speak to. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I stressed over this for two weeks. She had backups. And, and she, she like good. blew me away in 15 seconds. <laughs> well, so I think, you know, it's two sides of the coin. It's, you know, how do I make sure I'm doing the things that uh, are bring joy to my life? And yeah. how do I say no to those things that I, you know, just don't? So, you know, so, you know, not everybody likes to go grocery shopping. I don't know. How about you, Naluka? Are you, are you big into grocery shopping? Guess what? I work in the grocery industry, so I definitely, yes, grocery shopping. You know what? Well, now we can have groceries delivered. I know. Yes, we're getting into that also. Yeah. So if if that's what's just causing you so much stress, you know, Hmm. look look into delegating that off somewhere else. Right. You know, I mean, I'm not saying you can say no to everything, but no. let's let's try to find. See, personally, I don't believe in work-life balance. I think it's work-life integration, and I think mm, COVID, I like that. I think COVID is helping us with that because we've had we're home and work is now all in the same place. Yes, and so we can't just split ourselves off and say, "Oh, I'm going to go over sit in the dining room table. I'm at work now." Yes, <laughs> when I'm in the kitchen, I'm at home. It's not really right. how it works. Right. We've got the Zoom call going. We've got the video off and we're standing in the kitchen cutting vegetables for dinner tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's really more about integrating it and um, and and trying to find the evenness between just trying to find the things that are joyful, really. Yeah. Finding those little joys in life. And and I think, you know, I think that was a great example in terms of what is what actually just do you find annoying in your day and let those go so for me i know um you know constantly cleaning was really irritating me and then when cleaning services came back into the fold i was just i was just so overjoyed <laughs> it was just such a wonderful feeling to be able to walk into my place and have it be clean and I am lucky that I can afford and you know have available those services uh to me but uh have those services available to me if I speak correctly but um you know little things like that like whatever's irritating you trying to get rid of it you know I've done the personal exercise with my uh, kids and with my husband Mm-hmm. And uh, I think part of the reason why we've been married for 40 years is because we do share Ooh. some personal values, my husband and I, but not yeah. all of not all of them. So, yeah, fair enough. for example, I like to be very well organized. He likes to be spontaneous. We both love yes. travel. So yes. when we travel, oh, that's I, great balance. When you right, travel. I book all the hotels and things like that. 
right? Mm. One time I was super, super busy. And, you know, I just said, you know what? Can you just book the hotels, you know, for yeah. the, for this, for these two nights? Can you just pick the two hotels? Um, and, you know, like for him, that was like needles in the, in his eye to think that he would have to go out and find hotels. And so he just, you know, he just Googled it and booked the first one. You know, uh oh! <laughs> yeah, you know, Did it work it, out okay? Was you know wasn't really close to restaurants and you know, uh, wouldn't have been my first pick, but you know it all worked out. It was okay. <laughs> Learned my lesson, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but now you know you you can feed off each other's strengths. I love that, and, and that yeah. can be, and that can be helpful too to feed off once you know what the other person likes to do you know, or what's kind of in their wheelhouse. Mm. And if it's not in yours, then, you know, Hey, over to you. Over to you. <laughs> and I think that, you know, that's it, incredible in a family dynamic and in particular in the marriage and congratulations on 40 years. That's amazing. Um, but I actually think that it very much applies to your teams in a work environment as well, in terms of really understanding everybody's strengths. And I know you've built a lot of high performance teams. Is that one of the keys to building a team like that? Absolutely. And again, that personal values exercise, I've done it with almost every team uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I work with, uh, including, you know, my clients. If I'm working with a leadership team, it's practically the first conversation that we have uh, because we will find out that we have more in common than we ever thought. And it, yeah. gives, us, it gives us a language for conversation going forward in, in a team environment. And, and we'll learn and you'll learn what really motivates people and what's in people's wheelhouses. And uh, not that you want to delegate everything to one person so that, no. they, you know, so that they feel that they're being dumped on. But if certain people enjoy doing certain things, then it's going to be easier and they'll be more productive because that's work that they just naturally enjoy doing yeah. as opposed to giving people, you know, if you've got somebody who, you know, just doesn't really value family. It's not that they don't like their family or love their family, but it's just not, you know, on their top two or three things that they really enjoy doing. Then giving them the social event all the time to work on may not be in their wheelhouse and it's stressful and it, and it's energy sapping for them. Whereas mm. somebody else who loves to plan the Thanksgiving dinners and loves yeah. to plan the social things, they'll, they'll jump on that right away. And, and it'll be done in no time because the energy is just so high going on. There. Right. If somebody enjoys project management, you know, they really love that, that kind of work, um, you know, tap into that, tap yeah. into that, that stuff. How do you um, balance? Obviously we want to tap into their strengths and what they love doing, but how do you also encourage them to move into that slightly uncomfortable zone and, and continue to learn and, and do things differently? Well, I think uh, because people value different things, you really have to understand where they're coming from. And this was a real aha moment for me early on in my career. I think when I was like promoted for the first time into manager role and I went around and I asked everybody who reported to me, if you could change one thing about the job that you do right now, what would that be? And I was expecting, you know, oh, I, I would like, I would love to have more professional development. Uh, I would love to uh, be promoted into this role. Uh, and there was one woman who said, I would love to have a light that actually works. And I would love that I would have the stability of knowing that I could come in and do this job for the rest of my life because I really love this job. Wow. So not everybody is looking to climb the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. Some people just love to do what they're actually doing. What they do. Yeah. Take, take nurses and teachers, for example. They don't all want to be the VP of nursing or the CEO of a hospital, or they don't all want to be a principal. Their yeah. joy is being in the classroom or their joy is being with patients. Yes. And so I think we have to be connected to our employees to understand what it is that they would like to grow into and where they would like to grow into and, and having conversations with them to encourage them about where you think their skill sets might take them right? as well. Um, and, you know, in this ever-changing world right now, 
keeping people need to be upskilled all the time. We just can't afford to leave people behind. And yeah. I think it's an easy fix sometimes for people to say, oh, that person just isn't a good fit anymore because you haven't spent that time making sure that they've been upskilled as things have changed in the organization. And you think it's an easier fix to just let them go and hire somebody who's already been trained. Right. But that is not always true or right. And, you know, again, I think we have to focus back on our people and not be so focused on the process and the business as we have been. So as a, as a leader in this environment right now, um, what, what would you suggest as sort of the first step for um, a leader to kind of reconnect from a people perspective? I think people really want to know where organizations are going. You know, we've been in this fast changing world and I think people want to know, you know, first of all, are we ever coming back to the office? Are you going to stay hybrid? Number one question. You know, like just what is it going to look like? And then, you know, then, then all of a sudden we have two different types of workforce and, and people are worried that, those who are going to who are in the office are going to get better information because they're in the office. They have the water cooler conversations, and yeah. those in the office are worry are concerned because they're coming into an environment that maybe they don't feel that safe about. And these lucky guys get to stay home; they don't have yeah. to commute. And you know, somehow I'm being penalized because my job is in the is in the office. And right. So people are really trying to find their way through it, and is the company stable now or, you know, what else is coming down the pipe? What else have you been thinking about? People, right. employees really want to know, you know, where organizations are, are going. They really want to hear from leaders. They want to hear the vision. Um, and they want to know that their employers care about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so while we've been doing a lot of, you know, daily check-ins, is everybody okay? Is everybody okay? Yeah. Um, that's, that's not really what they're looking for anymore. Now they're looking for, I want you to, I want you to uh, tell me, you know, where my job might be changing. What are you going to do to help me navigate this new world? Uh, You know, have you, you know, we've got policies that you, you whipped into place that during these times, are they, are they temporary? Are they full-time? We've got policies that are outdated now. Are you going to do anything about that? Because it doesn't make sense to me anymore that, that we're doing this. So there's a lot going on for for leaders to to try to tackle, and it and a lot of it comes down to communication, communication, mm-hmm. communication. It sounds like they also want that sort of structure, like yes, communicating with them constantly. But it's um, it's a tricky situation to be in when you are. Um, in a situation where there's so much unknown still as a leader, yeah. even we don't know what's going to happen, but you also need to provide some sort of uh, structure and stability. To people, right. If that makes sense. That's right. And so just, you know, being honest and transparent with your employees is important. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of employees are looking for that. A lot of employees are looking for accountability from everybody because it's harder to, to connect with people. Uh, yeah, you know, and so, you know, sometimes I'm not sure whether, you know, Sophia is actually doing it because I can't see her in the office to know she's doing it. It's not that yeah. I don't trust her, but I, I, you know, how do I, I, it feels like I have to do extra connections now to make sure that the work is actually being done because, yeah, uh, and not because I don't think it's being done, but it's harder to have the conversations to sort of say, um, listen, what are you working on? And, and uh, can I help you with that? Or did you realize that I'm doing this too? Cause we're not just bouncing ideas to, off down the hallway. We have to create these virtual hallways now, these virtual um, yeah, water cooler conversations. Yeah. You have to almost organize those casual chats that. Right. That right. Which then gets onto the leaders calendars, right? I mean, leaders are saying, Oh my gosh, not only am I having to do one-on-one check-ins with everybody, now I'm having to do, you know, one-on-ones during the day so that I can, or, you know, more group conversations to make sure that everybody's staying connected and, and, and informed 
about yeah. what's going on. Like my job has become chief communicator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It feels yeah, like a that's lot of all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's so important because I think as humans, we crave that connection, right? We crave um, conversation and we crave company. And when you can only do it on the screen for a certain amount of time, then you do have to sort of over communicate everything. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so as, as we're communicating and trying to sort of maintain everything in this virtual hybrid world that we're in right now, um, I think everything sort of gets rooted in the culture that you established in the beginning, but it's pivoting and changing. How do you how do you actually define what a culture of an organization is, and how do you stay true to that when all the craziness is happening around you? Yeah, well, culture is is really about how work gets done. That's sort of the sentence okay. that we use to define it. Uh, oh. What I think is a little bit easier to understand is one of my favorite networking exercises to do. And so you can uh, hopefully play along with me here, but Maluka, if you were to give me three words to describe your organization. So pretend that I'm an employee, I've been hired already. Tomorrow's gonna be my first day at work there. I'm gonna come in. What's the experience gonna be like for me? What are three words that you would give me to describe what it's gonna be like to work at your organization? Um, I would say fast paced. Um, results oriented and have some fun and have fun yeah great so if that's the kind of culture that appeals to me you know where there's Mm -hmm. lots of change and challenge going on uh, where we're striving to you know for its achievement orientation Mm -hmm. and and fun then, yeah. you know, great. I can't wait to come in and work with you. <laughs> That's, you know. If not, though. <laughs> right. And and it's it truly is the actions of the leaders that sort of set the tone for the culture of the organization. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if the leaders are having fun, then it's, it's acceptable and we can all have fun. Right. But there are other things beyond behaviors that influence a culture in an organization. So your workspace is one, Hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. I can remember I went to down to Chorus Entertainment for people who are in Toronto who have been down to uh, um, down on the lake shore. They have a beautiful glass building right on the water, and it's very open from front to back. I was down there for a board meeting. I walked in. I walked into the information booth. They brought an ambassador came down and greeted me took me up to this boardroom for, you know, showed me where the little kitchenette was if I, and where the washrooms were. It was lovely, yeah. it was wonderful. I went back to my office at Rogers. If you ever walk into the front doors of Rogers, huge security up there. You have to sign oh. in, you have to swipe card in, you have to do everything but give away your first child. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, just a very different feeling. Yeah. Uh, not, not right or wrong, but just mm-hmm. different. And that's right. just, based on the workplace, the, the, the surroundings that you have Interesting. Uh, that go on, your technology that you use, you know, you profess that you're very in an innovative company. That's the poster you have on the wall, mm-hmm. but you're in technology from the computers are six years old. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, you know, what do you mean? I have to use this big, huge, complicated software system that you, did you know there's an app for that now? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it, 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 there's a lot of components in our workplaces that influence the culture that ultimately is in there. And it's, uh, it sounds like it's all about just trying to stay true to that. So if you've defined what your culture is, then you have to actually live that. You do. So it's not just words. You have to have the actions that go with it. You have to look at your, look at your reward and recognition programs. Mm-hmm. What are you rewarding? You know, yeah. you say that innovation is important, but you're rewarding the people who just get the results. Yeah. So that contradicts itself. Right. You say gotcha. that customer service is number one, but mm-hmm. you're actually uh, you're actually measuring your call center people on average handle time. Right. So it's more important to have your call to get them through quickly two that... minutes than it is to solve the customer's problem. 
Yeah. You know, so that's why I say it's, you know, you have to walk the talk, but it's not just the leader's behavior. It's walking the talk all the way through the organization and having that alignment to yes. the kind of culture and the values that you believe are important for success. Hopefully the culture and the values of the organization align with your personal values and everything sort of then it's a win -win together. Right? <laughs> That's the integration remember, of work and life, right? Right. Let's remember, <laughs> we all have a role to play in culture. We yes. all, you know, yes. each and every one of us contribute to the culture of an organization. So you know what? As long as you're not going totally rogue on, yes. the, on the values, if there's something that's important to you that, you know, kind of lines up with the corporate values, then bring more of that into your team, right? right. Yeah. If fun, if fun isn't really on the top five of your organization, <laughs> but it's important for you, you know, yeah. as long as you're not ignoring the other five that are important for the organization. Yeah. As long add, as they can help you deliver what the organization right. is looking for, you're good. Yeah. Then add, add, add some fun into your own little group. I think we should always have fun. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I think, I think, you know, for me, it's all about being joyful in this world and nothing yeah. makes me sadder than to see people who, uh, who appear to be just passive passengers, uh, you know, transversing through this planet earth, uh, you know, to mm. me that is just heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, that's why I do uh, the work that I do to bring joy into the workplace, to do executive coaching, because I think we all deserve um, that kind of uh, experience while we're here. That's such a beautiful sentiment and a, a, a beautiful way to sort of wrap things up, I think. Um, what would you say in closing are sort of the top three things that our listeners uh, should do to kind of align those personal values and, and think about their careers? Uh, well, first of all, be very clear about what what your personal values are. You know, where are your passions? What are the things? Do the exercise. Yeah, <laughs> <Step> well, <number laughs> one. <laughs> there's lots of different exercises out there too. That's just one that you know I'm happy to share. But you know, just just get very clear. You have that clarity uh, because it's just like having clarity for your organization when you have that vision when you when you know your purpose of your organization. Have that personal clarity as well. Yeah. Uh, keep keep try to keep perspective on things. And like I say, the broader the perspective you have, the bigger the opportunities that are right. out there. Uh, so I, I think that's important. I think that was very helpful for me. And, and the third thing I would say is, you know, nothing is in cement, nothing is, in cement. <laughs> you know, have, you know, be, be courageous and try different things. And, and courageous can be one step. Courageous can be leaping off the cliff. So whatever your, own <laughs> whatever your own definition of courage is, uh, you know, continue to, to grow and, and to find, find your, your purpose in, in life. That's awesome. And so take action towards that. And how did you put it? Don't be a passive passenger on planet Earth. <laughs> Become, become an extraordinary pilot of your life. <laughs> oh, extraordinary pilot of your life. I love it. That's it. Uh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing all of your wisdom. I'm sure our listeners learned so much from you. I know I did. So th we thank you for being a part of this podcast. My pleasure. <laughs>